Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Dorkside Toys. At DorksideToys.com, you can get the latest Star Wars toys, as well as Marvel, G.I. Joe, The Walking Dead, and more. Run by toy fans, you can be assured your order will be given great attention and packed with care. Sign up to their social channels now for stock alerts, reviews, and toy and movie news. DorksideToys.com. You'd be a dork not to shop there. Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and convention coverage, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other listeners, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages, support our Podbean crowdfunding campaign, and much more. Star Wars Action News, covering the whole galaxy of Star Wars toys. Welcome to episode 482 of Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie. This is Arnie, and I can't wait to show you my toys. Is that Batman? No, Suicide Squad. Our review at NowPlayingPodcast.com is out tomorrow. Kind of sounded like somebody from a horror movie. Yeah, I didn't do a very good Jared Leto Joker voice, but... Uh, no. No. Can you do the laugh? No. That laugh is amazing. Just a reminder, though, for our Star Wars Action News listeners, we also have a podcast called Now Playing at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Reviewed Suicide Squad this weekend, so check that out. But it actually was a double meaning, as I really can't wait to show you my toys. We're going to be reviewing some San Diego Comic-Con exclusives here that we have in hand this show, now that we're back from the con and back in the recording studio. Brock's also going to be joining us with a review of the new Star Wars novel, Aftermath Life Debt. But first, a little bit of store news. Marjorie and I took a road trip last weekend because San Diego, who needs recovery? We just... <laughs> Sleep is overrated. Let me just say that. And we ended up driving through Missouri, where we found a number of Walmarts with that Takodana Encounter 4-pack of 3 and 3 quarter inch 5POA figures with Maz Kanata and $13. I will say that every single Walmart seems to be overstocked on them. Our Walmart has a ton, but they're not on clearance yet. I just couldn't believe it. I thought it might be just one Walmart. And as we drove through, I found several others. I posted it to Facebook and got reports from across the country up in Minnesota and... Iowa, a lot of reports of this being $13. Of course, Walmarts get to pick their own time and amount of markdown at a per-store basis, so your mileage may vary, but kind of kicking myself because I could have picked up a good number of those things for $13, and of course, we bought them as soon as we saw them at full price. How are you to know? No, you never can tell. It's actually surprising to me. Those things aren't that old, but... It's a sign that people are clearancing out the Force Awakens merchandise and getting ready to make way for new merchandise come 
September, early October, whenever the new Force Friday will be. Also at the Walmarts, we found a number of the exclusive three and three quarter inch Black Series Phasma, Han, and Leia, and more reports again widespread that those are showing up. So I guess patience really pays off for those who didn't go to eBay and buy them. <laughs> Sorry. I honestly didn't think those would make it out. I wondered if we'd see them like at a TJ Maxx or something at some point in the future just due to d the distribution issues that had been had. But it's good they're getting those back out there. And <laughs> how long will it be before they put the big yellow stickers on those to also clear the way for Rogue One merchandise? Also at Walmarts, if you're checking out clearance, look for Legos. Target had them on clearance as well. So double check the end caps at the very back of the toy aisles in Target. And that's where you're going to find your clearance items. And they've reset their toy aisles. So they just moved a bunch of stuff to clearance. Yeah, I got reports that the $70 first order TIE Fighter was down to $35 at Walmart. Wow. And Legos hardly ever, ever go on sale or clearance. So when you do find them at a reduced price, you got to buy them. Speaking of deep discounts, our show sponsor, Dorkside Toys, has some really incredible clearance deals on figures. If you want to troop build the Force Awakens troops, a set of four snowtroopers for $30. I'm talking the Black Series six-inch figures here that are normally $20 apiece, four for $30. That's amazing price. Same thing with the Flame Troopers, four for $29.99. Or you could just get a two-pack of a Snow Trooper and a Flame Trooper, $19.99, $10 a figure. If you just want one of each, $12 a figure. Captain Phasma, remember when people were like scrambling to find Phasma and just couldn't get her and going crazy on eBay? $14, the same with The Force Awakens Kylo Ren, $14. Also some great deals on three and three quarter inch figures, down to $2.79 for some of these. That's like Power of the Force 1 new figure pricing. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen prices that low since the 80s. So check them out at dorksidetoys.com. But the biggest piece of news this week, we just came back from San Diego Comic-Con and you could tell that the Hasbro folks were a little bit, I hesitate to use the word hogtied, but it's all <laughs> that comes to mind in regards to their reveals. Under strict instructions as to what they can and can't say. And what they couldn't say was anything about Force Friday, Rogue One, anything like that other than the Jen Erso figure that they released. But I don't know who to tell. It's not Hasbro's choice. Does somebody at Disney need to realize this is the 21st century and no secret <laughs> stays kept? Or is it someone at Lucasfilm under Disney? But leave it to somebody on Instagram to post a picture of Wave 1 of the Rogue One Black Series six-inch figures. And, of course, he got a little spooked. People were telling him Hasbro's going to come after you. Been there. Well, it's not Hasbro that came after us, though. It's Disney. True, but Hasbro did call us also. Yes, well, yeah. So the original picture is taken down, but again, 21st century. <laughs> Even the high-res photo is still out there, and we will link to it. But... Interestingly, if this is indeed correct and nothing is confirmed until the duct tape is taken off the mouth of these spokespeople at Hasbro, but it looks like we'll be getting four Rogue One figures and then two Force Awakens figures. 
So for the Rogue One figures, we're going to get a Death Trooper, which I think is going to jazz everybody. It is, and that's going to be the ray of this wave, I bet. I have a feeling everybody's going to want just tons and tons of Death Troopers, and he's, if this is right, shipping one per case. Probably. Captain Cassian Andor? A new character, got a bit of a goatee, played by Diego Luna. K2SO. This is the new droid that's being voiced by Alan Tudyk. I really like him, and I wish that he was in the movie, but again, I think he's much better at comedy, so if it's a droid, they tend to have a little bit of comedy, and he can do that. I'm curious if it was full mocap, like he was on the set wearing the blue dots, a la... Andy Serkis, who's always mocapped. Yeah. I, th- I think he's mocapped at home right now, sitting in his lovely house. I think the few movies where he is does not appear as some creature like 13 going on 30. They still actually mo-capped him out of habit and then put an Andy Circus skin on him. <laughs> We're going to get a Jin Urso, which is the same one that we got at Comic-Con, just in the pedestrian package. Right. What's exclusive about the Comic-Con Urso, as we'll talk about, is the packaging the same as they did with the Force Awakens Stormtrooper last year. We're going to get from the Force Awakens an unmasked Kylo Ren. Again, the San Diego Comic-Con figure. You're not getting the melted Darth Vader helmet. You're not getting the First Order flag, but you are going to be able to get the unmasked version of Kylo Ren. And then we're going to get a ray on Jakku. And this does appear to be more of a repack than a carry forward, as it looks like the same Ray figure, but in addition to her staff, you also have a lightsaber in there and the BB-8 next to her. So a slight enhancement over the first one, a way to really differentiate since these appear to have the same red-colored background as our current Black Series figures. Interesting that they're keeping The Force Awakens front and center and not the original trilogy, Of course, The Force Awakens is the highest grossing Star Wars film of all time, so I can understand that, and we will be reviewing that Kylo Ren a little bit later, and hopefully we get confirmation of many, many more toys soon. But without further ado, let's actually take a look at this unmasked Kylo Ren, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive version that we picked up over there. We talked about the challenges of that in our Comic-Con coverage. Well, the first thing that I find very odd is you open up the container, the box, which is a really nice box. They've got a nice picture of him. They actually did a better drawing of Adam Driver and made him look more attractive than he actually is on this (laughs) art. He looks more menacing in this art. It's a really long box as far as the width of it goes. It's probably two figures wide. I'd say maybe like two and a quarter, two and a half. It seems like it's really wide, but it's got the nice Velcro tabs to keep the cover closed, which I like. It's got on the back another portrait of Kylo Ren. It almost looks like the same art they might use on that role play helmet Hasbro sells. But the drawing on the back makes him look like Grindon. Yes, or as the vintage toy collectors call him, Long Snoot. Yes. Yeah, it does make him look like he's got a bit of a trunk instead of a breathing mask. And the text on the back, that wonderfully hard to read, dim gray on black. I didn't even realize there was text until you said something because I was holding at the incorrect angle and I could not see it. So there is some text. It is the spot UV, but it is still really hard to read. And then it is Velcro sealed so you can open it up. And get good art of the melted Darth Vader helmet. Kind of awesome. Here's my problem, though. Everything's just in there unprotected. I think this is by design so that as a collector, you could 
put this back in the box, perhaps, or display it unboxed without having the mylar in front of it. I think it's kind of nice, though, because it would make a nice display piece if you put this on a shelf and opened it, because the opening flap has the melted Darth Vader head, but then you do have those unobstructed by plastic, so that is kind of nice. Yeah, you've got the figure on the far left, and they put the unlit lightsaber in his hand, which is a good way to display that smaller accessory. Next to him, you've got the lit lightsaber, which the packaging kind of harms that one a little bit because the blade is red, the package is red, and so there's not a whole lot of contrast between the package and the blade. No, if they would have made that a different color, and perhaps they should have used like a smoky gray because the black still would have popped, but a light gray or a smoky gray would have maybe worked. But with the red, it is completely lost with the blade. But I see why they didn't use black. Also, keep in mind this package design, their entire packaging schema is approved by Lucasfilm. And so if they say the insert is red, then the insert may have to be red. Then next to that, you've got two different helmets. You've got Kylo Ren's helmet and underneath that, what I think everybody is just jonesing for. What makes this exclusive so exclusive, the melted Darth Vader helmet. Yeah, I think the melted Darth Vader helmet is actually really cool because they've done an awesome, awesome watch on it. And it looks like it's burnished metal instead of melted plastic. So I think it's actually kind of cool that way. It doesn't look too plasticky. And they did incredible sculpting detail on that. I mean, I got out the macro lens and started taking a look at it. And I was really impressed with what they did for this really tiny head. But then the piece of resistance, I guess... <laughs> the First Order flag, and you've got the banner hanging down here, and again, it's red, so that actually works more because it makes the First Order symbol pop. It does. It, it's a nice addition, and I touched the fabric here, and it kind of flows nicely, so I'm curious to get this out of the package to see how it looks standing up. And we will do that in just a second. The one thing I'll say is, I've seen this First Order logo a lot, but not until looking at this picture do I realize it looks like the top-down view of a Sarlacc rendered in 8-bit. It does. You're absolutely right. Now I can never unsee that. <laughs> Thanks, Arnie. And then if you lift up the banner, there's the flag base. And again, the First Order symbol. I think that they did a great job of something you may want to just display packaged. If you are not an opener, the ability to open this up, show the Vader helmet, show the figure off. I mean, you think if you're a packaged figure collector, and I am but I only do it for the three and three quarter inch figures. They're all on bubbles. And I don't even do it for the three and three quarter inch multi-packs. I don't want all the boxes. I just want the carded figures. You can see the figures. If you're collecting the six inch figures carded, you can see the figures. In this exclusive, you wouldn't be able to, but if you open it up, downside is you're going to get dust, but the upside is you're actually able to see the figure in a very nice display. It is a nice display piece, and I would think it would be good left in the package. But now let's take it out of the package. And I'll say this as we open it. If you do take it out, you can put the figure back in the little hole and try to display it, but you'll never get him back in because they use that recycled material to tie him down, as well as a couple of those crisscrossed rubber band things in the back. And so there's no choice but to break out the scissors and to cut this stuff off. Also, the lit lightsaber is in there in such a way they have all of the tips underneath that plastic and there's no give there so i had to break out a cutting knife 
and carve this thing out because I didn't want to snap off any of the tips. I mean, it was held down by both side tips and the top tip. If it was just the top tip, I probably could have bent it a little and slid it out. But because it was all three, I was scared of breaking it. And if you're a person who ever wants to get this back in the package, you may just find yourself better off buying an extra Kylo Ren at retail and using that saber and leave this one where it is. But now that it's out in hand, again, that Darth Vader helmet, the wash they put on it, the only ding I'll kind of give it is it's so flat on the back that it's made just to lay down. And if it's just laying down, it's just not going to be as visible in a display. Unless you could find a little table for it, you know, doll furniture, I suppose. you could, Or maybe you could recreate his little display that he had in the movie. I would figure you'd just try to get him to hold it, in which case being perfectly rounded wouldn't be a problem. They didn't need to do that. It has good heft to it, though. I mean, it's heavier than I thought it would be. It feels solid rather than hollow, which is kind of nice, I guess. I mean, I guess I expected a little cheap, lightweight piece of plastic, and it's pretty decent. The other thing is the Kylo Ren helmet is not one that goes over the head of the figure. It's actually a swappable head. So if you wanted to portray him with the mask on, you could. Or you could just go down and find one of those clearance Kylo Ren figures. It does work better when they do the swappable heads versus the helmet that fits over. Because otherwise, when you do the helmet that fits over, you just have a really large wonky helmet. Which is something I never noticed until... The toy manufacturers started pointing that out. I was always fine with those slip-on helmets. My biggest problem is you could see the chins underneath. Yeah, they made it too wide, but not long enough. Other than that, it seems to be the exact same figure we got before. Same lightsaber, same lightsaber hilt, and below the neck, the exact same. You swap the heads, you have the retail release. What you've got here is the figure that we've been seeing on pegs since September of last year, plus... Two new accessories and a flag. Not counting the flag, you've got the unmasked head and the Vader helmet. But I'll tell you, I actually am going to give them some credit on the sculpt of the unmasked head. I think it really looks like Adam Driver in that movie. It does. They got the hair right. Forgive me, but they got the nose right. It's huge. And I think that they got the eyebrows right. It's just they did a good job on this. They really did. The only ding is... The plastic that they cast the face in is really pale, and so he looks a little bit sickly pale. (laughs) It looks like he ate some bad fish or something, and that's the skin tone he got. And they didn't really paint up the face. I mean, they did the eyebrows, they did the eyes. But that actually is even more credit to the sculptor, because with an unpainted head there, it really looks like him. And now we finally understand why the hood has always been soft goods is so that it can go up over his unmasked head or his mask. Mm-hmm. And it fits quite well over his face, doesn't it? It really does. It actually yeah. looks quite good there. This is one of the better hoods they've done in a long time. It really is. Because when you fold it down, it kind of fold. If you fold it like, well, I just had it there. It kind of folds a little bit, so it kind of makes like a cowl. It doesn't hang flat just because of its size and the size of the seam, so it's not horrible. So this head definitely makes the unmasked Kylo Ren that's going to be coming out later this year, presumably, worth a purchase. Are you going to be kicking yourself if when they go on sale at Hasbro Toy Shop, you miss out? Do you feel like you need to go to eBay just for the flag and the Vader helmet? My feeling is the flag, no. The flag is extraneous. 
here's my problem with the flag. The flag is really nice. I wish they would have added some heft to the base because it is some lightweight plastic. And I think a ceiling fan would knock that over. Just like the wind from the ceiling fan. It is very cheap, very lightweight. I just don't think it's perfect. And I think one alone is a little bit of a silly accessory. You'd almost need to build a lot of those in order to really have a good recreation of what they had in the movie there. I do see customizers on eBay that sell like 24-inch banners that are like this. So you can have really large banners behind your troops and stuff. So that might be a little bit of a better option so you can get a lot of these flags instead of just the one. And that figure was $38 plus tax or about 40 bucks at the con. Is it worth the extra $20 for the flag and the Vader helmet? I mean, sure, it's exclusive. I bought it. I didn't hesitate about buying it. But if you look at exactly what you're not getting in this future release that you got in this one, it'll sell for more than that. So I guess its intrinsic value is higher than that. But price per ounce of plastic is a little bit iffy. The fact is, though, putting that melted Vader helmet in there has to be as irksome as when they put the Han and Carbonite only in that very first exclusive package. I mean, that Vader helmet was in the trailers and so big a symbol from The Force Awakens. But now our second figure, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, the one that was only available at Comic-Con because that Kylo Ren was also at Celebration Europe, but Obi-Wan Kenobi. And interestingly, the package is quite a bit different. It's a lot thicker, and instead of the red spine, they've gone silver. And for the text, instead of having it on the back, it's on the side and in a much brighter, easier-to-read silver. Yeah, it's legible. The back art is kind of subtle, but it is Obi-Wan Kenobi's home on Tatooine with the moons in the background, I think. I kind of wish they would have brought that up just a wee bit. Yeah. Because the problem with this one is there's so much detail in it compared to the Kylo Ren that it needs just a little bit more color to make things distinguishable. Yeah, just more contrast. Brighten the silver a little on the Mm -hmm. back art. Yeah. Or maybe choose some other kind of scene that would have been a little better portrayed in this kind of, you know, color scheme. Yeah. That said, they did the portrait of Obi-Wan on the front. So what else could you do with Obi-Wan that isn't a close up of him? A crumbled robe? Ah, but then they'd have to include a crumbled robe. I can't make you guys happy. Now, this box has a little drawer. What's in the drawer? Because of the electronics, Ah. there's a little instruction sheet that says it complies with the FCC and how to replace the three AAA batteries or take them out so they don't leak. So that's kind of a nifty little way of doing it is having a drawer inside with a little piece of cardboard that acts as a slip into which these instructions can be stored. That's nice. So this package is already a keeper. Likewise, on the front, that Obi-Wan art can slip out or up, so you can actually have the box closed, remove the slip, display Obi-Wan inside. That is very nice. And on the back of that art is the full General Kenobi speech, whereas the side spine text is just about Obi-Wan. But it is Velcro. And you open it up, and there is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I like this one a lot. I think it's because it harkens back to the original trilogy. It's Obi-Wan, who doesn't get enough love, I think, in some cases. This particular scene does not get enough love. And a claim to fame 
was being able to recite Princess Leia's entire speech when I was a young girl and young woman, <laughs> which I probably still can to this day. I'm pretty sure I can, but I really like this. I like the little table, too. Push down on the table, on the little, like, cup on the table. Oh. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. That's really Carrie Fisher. Now do it again. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan is failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. I think this wins for action figure of the decade. And while the speech is happening... The little Leia figure lights up mm-hmm. on the table. So I was a little bit mocking. I'm like, oh, great. You know, Kylo Ren came with a flag. Obi-Wan has a table. But the electronics here, the fact that it's got both the repeated, just help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then the full speech, it's kind of nice. I think it wins. Unless something comes out. That is just tremendous. And this is why these make good exclusives. Because if you bought this in the store, I just think that it would languish because it'd have to be too expensive, you know, to be at retail. And I think that it wouldn't appeal to the casual fan. I really like this one. And this was $49 plus tax, 11 bucks more than Kylo Ren, but it has so much more value to it because of the electronics. Mm-hmm. But opening it up, and let's look at this figure, which hasn't been released individually. Now, this package doesn't have any of those knots or the little tabs underneath, so if you're really patient, you could probably take this out of the box, and then if you're really skilled tying those little clear plastic rubber bands back on, you could put it back in. And have a lot of patience. I think you're leaving out that key factor right there to get it back in. The other thing is this, if you just displayed it, You took the slip out of the Obi-Wan or you just opened the Velcro and displayed it like we were talking about with the Kylo Ren. I think you lose something because the Obi-Wan is posed in that clear plastic like all figures are, that little bubble insert. And it really masks the insert behind it, which is again one of those silver on black artworks. But this was inside Obi-Wan's apartment, so it really gave... I don't know if he rents it or own. Maybe it was Obi-Wan's house, maybe Obi-Wan's condo, but... <laughs> I understand that the interest rates on Tatooine are really favorable. But it has the background there with all the furniture and things. I couldn't really see that so well or appreciate it until I got the figure out of the package and was able to look at the art without the glossy glare plastic over it. The first thing I noticed when I took it out of the package, though, is Leia is not molded on the table. Oh. She comes out, there is the brightest blue LED you've ever seen. Do not look right into the light. (laughs) It's worse than Carol Ann looking into the light. I mean, this is a bright light. Were you purposely trying to blind me? Not purposely, but... Okay. Well, you pointed it right at my eyes. This thing is like brighter than the flash on my iPhone. Yeah, it's pretty damn bright. The other funny thing is the Leia hologram. You would never not want to have it on the table because otherwise the table has this little pentagonal shape missing from it. But she is molded in what feels like it's such a soft PVC. It almost feels like rubber or like a gummy bear consistency. Ooh, she is a gummy bear. 
I almost dropped it. It's very lightweight, too. But what's nice is if you look, they got like the little folds in her outfit and everything. They did, but... If you take away the little hair buns that they did sculpt on there and they did a really good job, you take that away with the hand position and everything, does it not look like the Virgin Mary? It does. <laughs> like a little Jesus toy here. It is. Now the tabletop does come off and that's where you got the compartment with the little Phillips screw that you can take out to get the batteries out. And if you're going to store it long term, you probably do want to take the batteries out. Battery acid bad. He also comes with Two lightsabers, both his own and the one he gives Luke in A New Hope. Very nice. These are actually really pretty. The blue is good. They're a little crooked, but that's what you get with soft plastic, right? Yeah. Obi-Wan's is so crooked that the way the blade comes out almost makes me think of Count Dooku's saber with the curve. Yeah, easily fixed with some braces and a little bit of hot water. Luke's saber, the blade turns in the hilt, but it does not appear to come out. I'm not going to force it and break it. Obi-Wan's doesn't even turn. Then Obi-Wan himself. Again, I think they did an amazing face sculpt. This may be the best Sir Alec Guinness likeness Hasbro has ever done. I agree. The face sculpt is tremendous. I think his eyes are a little weird, but I think that's okay because if you don't look that closely, it's Alec Guinness. Well, those are the crazy eyes. Remember, he's supposed to be a crazy old man. Yes, that's true. What I do have an issue with is the soft goods. I just said that they did the Kylo Ren hood. Amazing. This one, they've made it too big and he could fit like two other heads in there with it. Jedi hoods are huge, though. I remember thinking that with the Phantom Menace when they came in. Those hoods, they ate Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor's heads there. But now he looks like the Flying Nun with this hood up. Look at this. Well, you can kind of fix that. You can... Or actually, no, the way it's sewed, it really has a triangle shape to it. They have sewn the entire side of the hood to the top of the robe. Yep. So let's just not display it hood up. But then it doesn't lay flat on his back either like it should. Now, Obi-Wan Kenobi was not a youngster in the movie. And when we saw him fight, it was mostly a little bit of hopping and spinning his saber in a circle. There weren't acrobatics involved. But that said, can I still be disappointed that the PVC bottom cape is such a rigid plastic that you might as well have given him absolutely no knee articulation whatsoever? That said, it gives a good look if you want to have him standing there. You just can't have him sitting down next to Luke explaining the ways of the Force. <laughs> he's got to stand up and explain the ways of the Force. Like he's giving a lecture in class. The overcloak being soft goods is removable, and so you get him in kind of that... I'm on the Millennium Falcon and going a little bit more casual look. I'm glad it's removable because I think it fits better with the scene because he is just kind of cashing it up. He's got the articulation I've come to expect out of the Black Series figures, full range of motion in the shoulders. The elbow joints are a little bit stiff, but they don't move very far either because of the large <laughs> cloak. <laughs> you can get him to move maybe... 30 degrees? But the way they've molded the undergarments make it look like he's got some sort of like elephant titus arm. <laughs> I am revisiting if this blade is removable because there's a little hook on his belt where you can put a lightsaber hilt, but it is not coming out easy. I wonder if this is for when we get the regular release, they're going to include a hilt and a lit saber, but for now, it's lit saber or nothing. So yeah, truthfully... For all intents and purposes, we can almost view this as a 
three POA, maybe five POA figure. You got the neck, you got the shoulders, you got the ankles. Knees and hips are kind of encumbered by that PVC skirt. Elbows are encumbered by the large molded plastic sleeves. And even the waist where he should turn, he's not really turning. And I'm not sure exactly what's happening. I think the cloak is just really pushing where... Again, I'm not going to force it and break him, but he's not turning to the sides. But I think you're buying this not for articulation and posability. I think you're buying it for the scene, which will perfectly be fine, except for the sitting. Except even though he's unannounced, this figure will be available. They've done that with every Comic-Con exclusive as they re-release the figure without the accessories. So you're not going to get the really awesome talking holographic table, Mm -mm. but this figure will be back out. He probably won't come with a Luke saber too, but when he comes back out, just know great sculpt, good look, hood down, posability. Well, I mean, again, Alec Guinness did not do a physical performance there. Other than sitting down, I think you could recreate every Alec Guinness move. Then finally, the third Hasbro exclusive, the one they kept secret till just a couple days before the con. I had written in my questions for the interview with Hasbro, come on, you promised us a Rogue One figure. Where's the Rogue One figure? I'll be honest, I wanted a Death Trooper. I thought they should keep the pattern of last time, and I'm really, really excited. I mean, longtime listeners know I love me some Shadow Troopers and Black Hole Troopers. I wanted to get a Death Trooper here, but it's Jyn Erso. And her box is a lot more basic than the last two and very reminiscent of the First Order Stormtrooper we got last time. It's about the same size as a regular figure and it's got this like slip cover so you can slide the figure out. Yeah, nice box. I like how it's kind of hidden like the others. They don't do the open window boxes. It's kind of nice. And one of the things that's great about exclusives, I think personally, is... You get something for a little bit more money than you normally would that you're not going to get in the regular retail line. You're going to get some awesome, fantastic packaging. I'm a big fan of packaging. It does drive a lot of my makeup purchases and other things, I'll be honest. But this is tremendous. On the slipcover, they did some nice spot UV. And got a picture of her. They got the Star Wars logo. And it's like this really like gunmetally gray. The only thing I can think is the black text on the gunmetal gray. Yeah, it's kind of greenish too isn't it it's like a grayish green it is a little bit of a gray green the text says a highly skilled soldier in the rebel alliance sergeant jen urso is an impetuous defiant warrior eager to bring the battle to the empire jen has little patience for debate with an alliance high command enough so that she takes matters into her own hands and you slide that out on the front again no plastic bubble just right there able to be displayed in this box You've got Jin Urso, you've got her little hood, and you've got her blaster. It's a very nice display. What I find interesting, though, is in the back, you see this little envelope. And I wondered if they were going to have a book about Jin, the way they had a book about the First Order Stormtrooper armor and all that. No, what you get is this interesting, and I do really like it, set of postcard-sized high-res images of this figure in various poses. Oh, these are kind of neat. Although she kind of looks like Jennifer Lawrence with dark hair, like in Hunger Games. Yes, I don't think that's accidental. Yeah, I mean, those movies were a big hit. But yeah, she totally looks like, the actress even looks like Jennifer Lawrence a little bit. So, interesting. I'm glad each single one says it's a fantasy scene. (laughs) 
But yeah, you get four of those. The one where she's running away from an explosion is probably the cheesiest. Yeah, it's pretty cheesy. Because of just the joints. But I really like the one that they had on top where she's aiming her gun in the sky. And that's the one where she most looks like Jennifer Lawrence in Hunger Games. It's the little things that make these exclusives fun. Because I sincerely believe when this figure comes out at regular retail... The only things exclusive here are going to be the four postcards in the box. I agree. I think that you're going to get the gun, of course. You're going to get her little hood, and that's it, right? That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the figure's going to get... I haven't seen the movie yet, so I really can't compare it to it. It's a very utilitarian outfit. It's kind of like... I don't know, just like Han Solo has got a vest. Actually, she's wearing like two vests, a shirt. She's got a little holster for her gun. Little stiff joints, but I'm not going to bend them too much because I don't want to force it, you know. But she will have good range of mobility given that her outfit is non-restrictive. It's just molded plastic instead of anything big and cumbersome. She does have this little hood. I guess that's probably her espionage little hood, so you can't tell who it is. Or it's just something she wears to keep the sun off her head on a planet. Have to see the movie. It's really tricky to review the figures before the movie, but... It is. And it's kind of nice. I think I like it with the hood on. It looks more Star Wars-y instead of G.I. Joe that way, but not really. The interesting thing is, looking at the trailers and the photos they've released, there is a scene of her with the rest of the gang where this hood is around her neck, but down. So Hmm. it looks like a scarf instead of just this hood up thing, which you could probably mostly recreate by buying a spare regular one of these and grabbing an X-Acto blade. You probably could, yes. I also expect this figure or this character to be released a lot since we've seen her in the trailers in the Imperial outfit and this outfit. I can't say that the face really screams Felicity Jones to me. I just think it looks kind of generic female, but after seeing the last two figures where they had such great likenesses, this one, you mentioned Jennifer Lawrence, and yeah, she looks... Like a middle school-aged girl Mm -hmm. versus a tough, rebellious woman that we've seen. So she looks like Katniss, is what you're saying. Little bit. Shorter hair. Katniss Everdeen, perhaps, Arnie? Yes. The PVC vest they've given her does not, as you mentioned, restrict the motion in any way. You've got the hinged and the swivel neck. You've got the double-jointed shoulders, the double-jointed elbows wrist articulation. She can twist at the abdomen so you can get that upper chest turn, but there is no waist. It's just right above the stomach, ball jointed hips, double jointed knees, and what we call on Marvelicious Toys, the Vonner ankles that can swing back and forth as well as rotate. I'll even give them credit. The holster, she wears it like Han Solo wears his holster where it's attached to the belt, but also slung around the hip. And I was afraid that would restrict leg motion. You can't move her leg back too far. Not that Mm -hmm. leg. The other leg goes a lot further back. But you can move it all the way forward and it has no problems. You can get her into a normal seated position. Hmm. Interesting. I like the detail on the outfit, the quilting on the back of the vest and everything. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of detail in this. And they even did a hairstyle that they've not done before. She's got like a messy bun in back. And, you know, women in Star Wars don't really have that much to do with their hair. So it's kind of interesting that that's there. Amidala did a lot with that hair. Yeah, but usually just made a molded hat for her in the action figures. Yeah. 
And she was brushing it in episode three. Yeah, but she didn't make an action figure of that, did they? <laughs> Actually, I think they did. Oh, did they? <laughs> three and the quarter. Good paint job. Excited to have my first Rogue One collectible. I really am. I think it looks good and I can't wait to see the movie. You know, that's where I sit is I actually think Rogue One looks awesome. I just, everything they show, I get more and more excited for it. So I'm jazzed to have this, you know, preview figure. It reminds me of the excitement I had with Attack of the Clones when we found those four preview figures of Zam Wessel and the clone and yep. Jango Fed and the R2 unit and just how excited I was. I bought like three sets of those, one to open, one to keep carded, one to take to work and keep carded and put on the cube of my wall. I was so excited. And that's pretty much how excited I am to have Jen Erso here. I'm nitpicking the face sculpt, but hey, Rogue One. So of the three six-inch Hasbro exclusives, if I had to rank them, Obi-Wan is my number one. He was the most expensive, but the face sculpt and the table, just astounding. I agree. I don't know how to rank Kylo and Jin. I like them both. Kylo was more expensive, but had that really cool Vader helmet. Jin, it's just an early release. I think I'm going to go Kylo number two because of the exclusive accessories and things. But Jin is an amazing figure. The key is the box and the extra postcards. If I wasn't an absolute nut completionist, I could probably just be fine getting this figure at retail later this year. Correct. Yes, I, I agree with your ranking there. But then the final exclusive I want to talk about, Funko went very light on Star Wars exclusives this year at Comic-Con. They did. And actually, because they have so many licenses, I think that they had a good mix of all the licenses they had. Some of them were stealing the show, I feel. Like, I know the Haunted Mansion pops were huge. And there's a few other different ones that people were going crazy for. So Disney. The Disney, yeah, they were. Not that Star Wars isn't. Yes, it is, yes. I'm not all in on Star Wars Pops, but when I saw the Comic-Con exclusive BB-8 with his little thumbs-up lighter, it was like, why does that have to be an exclusive? I must own this. And thanks to Marjorie, I do. Yeah, it is very cute. I love it, his little blue flame. It's like iridescent blue. Not iridescent, it's translucent, I'm sorry. He's got a wobbly little head because you have to have that for licensing reasons. I love how they've weighted BB-8 too. He's the heaviest pop, I think. Because he's even heavier than some of the bigger ones because they have to weigh his little ball. And he does have a little peg hole, so he stays on the stand. But I don't like how the Star Wars ones are on stands. So I think he sits just fine all by himself. Yeah, you've actually done that with a lot of our pops. You've just been like, let's not display them on the stands. Let's Mm-mm. display them on the bases. And a lot of the other pops you buy, because you buy quite a few pops, Marvel and... Whatever else you like, Godzilla. I I have a very loose collecting rule when it comes to pops. If I like it, I buy it. No, that's what you should do. Now, this BB-8, I compared him with the other BB-8. Because on Force Friday, it was BB-8 that I felt I had to have. And the only Funko Pop I bought at Force Friday. And here, they've reused a lot of the parts. It feels like they've just kind of altered the sculpt of the body. But the head is the same kind of weird... Jello mold shape head. <laughs> it's not round. And the same dual antennas on top. And the body looks to be the same. They've just added the opened up panel and the little arm and the flame. Such a little modification. But I honestly think that was the moment that I came to love BB-8 as much as I love R2-D2 was when he gave Finn the thumbs up. 
Yeah, I really think that was his defining moment, and he's precious anyway. I do want to say, though, you know, in the Funko line, it was moving pretty fast and everything. By the time I got up to the line, which there's still lots of people behind me, he is the only Star Wars one that was sold out. Yeah, we ended up getting them because they were put online. The sticker on the front says, Summer Convention Exclusive, and they were at Hot Topic. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is nice that they do that. Funko releasing them to certain retailers really helps for people who weren't able to score a Funko wristband or who maybe weren't able to go to Comic-Con. So Comic-Con was a blur. You were not able to get this at Comic-Con. No, I was not. So that's why I placed that order later that same evening. I remember sitting around the table and Justin and I and Jay were just refreshing our phone browsers like mad because they put it there, but then you couldn't check out. And it probably took us 20 minutes to check out because their servers were slammed. Hot Topic never, ever is prepared for when things go on sale. Which, I would think that they would be prepared because they seem to have a lot of exclusives across all different brands. But even just general buying from Hot Topic, and I'm sorry, I just said that out loud. They have a bad checkout system and it always breaks. Now this is in stock and still available online at HotTopic.com. So if you have missed out on this Funko Pop... Here's the key. When it's sold out, it's going to be sold out, unlike the other pops that they just keep producing. So I would suggest we've put a link for your convenience on our homepage. Head over there and pick one of these up while you still can and maybe pick up two. And the reason I say that is I order quite a few pops from Hot Topic and sometimes their shipping isn't entirely what it could be. Speaking of BB-8, at Comic-Con, we were able to get a first look at the Gentle Giant Premier Guild Holiday Exclusive, I hesitate to call it a mini bust, I'll call it a statue, BB-8 with the Christmas lights all tangled around him. I was talking to Chris, I don't think this was during the interview, I think it was after, I said I really got a Macquarie vibe off of that because it reminds me of R2-D2 all tangled up and that he said that's exactly what they went for, is trying to get a Macquarie feel on the BB-8. It is very, very, very cute, and I hope you've already ordered at least one. I believe it's one per person, Okay. and I have put in my order for one. This is a timed exclusive. If you're in the Premier Guild, you have until August 10th to get a guaranteed order in, and then after that, I'm sure they're doing a certain production run a little above the pre-orders, and then it's not going to be guaranteed. So you're listening to this show on the 8th. You've got two more days. Finally this week, Brock is joining us. He wasn't with us last show because Comic-Con. So he's reviewing the book that came out just a few weeks ago, Star Wars Aftermath, Life Debt. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison, with a spoiler-free as possible review of Star Wars Aftermath, Life Debt by Chuck Wendig. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books and Delray Audio. During the events of the first Aftermath book, Han Solo raced off to Kashyyyk to help Chewbacca free his homeworld from the Remnant Empire's slavery and oppression that is still plaguing the planet. But all did not go to plan. Chewbacca was captured, and Han Solo has gone missing. The fragile New Republic cannot send out a search party for one man who went off to fight an unsanctioned battle, and Leia is distraught. So she requests Nora Wexley and her crew of Imperial Hunters to find Han and bring him back to the New Republic capital. But the fractured remnant of the Empire is still out there, 
plotting to take back what was once theirs. All this and more in Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt. If you recall my review of the first Aftermath book, which you can find on episode 459 of Star Wars Action News, and on the Star Wars Action News YouTube channel, you may recall I said the best of the interlude chapters was the one with Han and Chewbacca, with Han deciding they are not following orders and going back to the Rebellion at that moment, but instead heading to Kashyyyk to liberate the Wookiees. I said that was the best interlude chapter in the book, and what that Aftermath book really should have been about. And given the title of this new book, Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt, and what the book jacket says, I was optimistic my wish was going to come true. Now, of course, this sequel was already underway when the first book was released, so it's unlikely the author and publisher got the idea for this new book from my review. But perhaps that interlude chapter stood out to the editor so much that it sparked the idea of making that one book the start of a trilogy. Or perhaps it was simply included in that first book to set up this sequel. Who knows? But while the majority of the plot of this book stems from and around the liberation of Kashyyyk, it isn't necessarily a Han Solo adventure novel about how he and Chewbacca lead that attack. The main characters we follow are not Han, Leia, and Chewie, but again are the Imperial Hunter Band we meet in the first Aftermath book. And most of the character scenes and the main plot is thrust along with and by that group. Leia hires the team to find Han, and once they find him, the team help Han in the needed steps to find Chewbacca and then attempt to free the planet. The time spent away from this plotline is almost exclusively with Grand Admiral Sloan investigating and dealing with the duplicitous Fleet Admiral Gallius Rax, figuring out what his plans are for the future of the Empire. As you likely would expect if you read the first Aftermath book, the author continues his untraditional writing style, but it is severely lessened. More complete sentences and less fragments, and creative license taken with the grammar this time around, and that is a welcome change. The chapters are mostly written in a more traditional manner, not necessarily as short or scattershot as before, and there is one amazingly structured chapter where the author writes it so we are reading what three pairs of the main characters are doing at the same time. How he hops back and forth to give us the illusion of the simultaneous was sheer brilliance. Aftermath Life Debt is a much smaller book thematically than the first book in the series. All those themes and ideas of the fallout of the world, or in this case, a galaxy, dealing with the effect of the aftermath of war, how it affects the citizens' day-to-day -day living experience, all of that isn't here. There is some mention of how tenuous a new government can be, specifically how stretched and fragile a new republic government is, but nothing to the scale it was the last time. In fact, it read here more like exposition for why Nora's team had to go help Han and not the Republic fleet, and the reason for the Empire Remnant wanting to seize control now. And not to sound like a stick in the mud, or an old fogey, but I don't recall another Star Wars book with so much domestic drama, casual sex, and recreational drinking and drug use as this one. I mention it only because it is uncharacteristic of what we are traditionally used to in Star Wars novels. The interlude chapters are still present, but less frequent, and not Moby Dick-style tangents exploring grander themes. Where the interlude chapters became more interesting to me the last time over the main plotline, here they mostly weave into and directly around the story being told. Yet, once again, the strongest and most potent interlude chapters are the ones not directly related to the plot, more thematic in nature. 
like the ones about the Holonet news reporter, and there's one about Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, searching for a new life after the events of the Sail Barge battle. There's also another interlude chapter of the Acolyte of the Beyond cult, which may still tie into the Knights of Ren, ideally to be explored more in Episode 8. Yet, overall, this time around, the interludes were more obviously and directly related to what was going on in the main story. The book opens with a simple little action piece you might find in any movie sequel, being thrown in the middle of an action adventure designed to get the audience reacquainted with the cast of characters. Here, the Imperial hunters of Nora Wexley, her son Temin, and his reprogrammed battle droid Mr. Bones, the bounty hunter Jazz, the ex-Imperial loyalty officer Singer, and the career soldier Jom. A few of these characters grew on me as the novel progressed, but mostly, I didn't get attached to too many of them. To his credit, Mr. Wendig does give the members of his team of hunters, Wedge Antilles, and Imperial Grand Admiral Sloan some strong character traits and character-building moments. He is able to weave in some depth, layer in character introspection, strong displays of feelings, and lay groundwork to support some characters' motivations for their actions later in the book. But as you may expect, with so many characters to juggle, some arcs are more rewarding than others, with some characters just getting the same notes repeated over and over. As a result, I once again wasn't engaged enough by this batch of characters. The standouts for me were Grand Admiral Sloan, Singer, the ex-Imperial officer, and Temin, the conflicted teenager, with Singer getting the most satisfying and most interesting character arc and interactions. He and Sloan were the characters from this book I want to read more of. Sloan, though she is Empire, there is a nobility to her I like. Her ideals of what the Empire means and how great it could be, while misguided, is refreshing in that she isn't just about evil and chaos. She isn't as black and white as many Imperials are usually portrayed. Nora Wexley, the seemingly main character of this novel, has the most rote character beats of all. Her story does go in some dramatic places, but it is more of a soap opera than I personally like, bordering on melodrama in one chapter there. There seems to be little mystery as to where the character can go from here, and as much as Fleet Admiral Rax thinks he is Grand Admiral Thrawn, as written, he isn't anywhere as clever or interesting to read about. I wasn't crazy with how the author portrayed Han and Leia. They both seemed ineffectual, stymied. I didn't like the way Han needed Nora's team to solve all his problems. I would have liked one of his plans to have actually worked. Han Solo gets knocked unconscious twice in consecutive chapters at that. Han Solo is a lot of things, but he's not incompetent. Why bother having Han Solo here if he can't be Han Solo? That being said, there is a touching and well-written scene with Chewbacca at the end I greatly enjoyed, and another with Leia as well when they are reunited. By the time Leia acts like Leia and takes action into her own hands, it was too little, too late for me. Now that I've seen The Force Awakens, and numerous times at that, the links in the first Aftermath book to that movie as part of the Journey to the Force Awakens publishing initiative were weak, to say it kindly. The connections to The Force Awakens are a little stronger here, with Leia being pregnant, her shaky relationship with Han Solo being similar to what we see in the movie, General Hux being mentioned briefly, but most interestingly, Jakku playing a small role. I liked how the last chapter of the book, an interlude, connected to the prelude chapter that starts off the novel, and especially how it seemingly will connect to some now iconic Jakku imagery seen in The Force Awakens. That piqued my interest. I hope what I'm expecting comes to pass in the third and final Aftermath book. Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt has some nice symmetry to it, some standout character moments, and expected action scenes. 
but it is a much less ambitious book than its predecessor. While it is thankfully an easier read than the first Aftermath, sadly I am still not on board with this new group of characters as much as I was after book two in say the X-Wing series from the 90s or even the Coruscant Knights series. By the end of this book, the author did succeed in getting me curious on how it will all end, so clearly he accomplished some things that he was going after with this installment. Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt bucked my expectations, righted the ship some, and sets us up for what could be a satisfying finale. Perhaps some more of the grander themes about the realities of war can make a return in Aftermath Empire's End to balance this series out, make it more cohesive. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. And that is our show for this week. I want to thank you all for listening to our little adventure, reviewing the Comic-Con exclusives in hand. A big thanks to everyone who works on our show. We really appreciate you guys holding down the fort while we were at Comic-Con, nursing sore feet and sweating because it was so hot this year. Oh my gosh. It was way too hot. And I'm from the Midwest. If I say it's hot, it's hot. Trust me. And just one last reminder, if you want these Comic-Con exclusive Hasbro figures, they are going on sale August 9th, Tuesday, at HasbroToyShop.com. Good luck to everyone trying to get that done, because those are also servers never prepared for the traffic. Well, they don't really do this but once a year, so I can understand that. But Hot Topic, they do this all the time. I recommend if you're going to try to get these online, go set up your account, get your payment information all set, so that all you have to do Add to cart, check out. You don't have to type in credit card numbers and all of that. And just be patient. If you get the server failed error, hit your back button, try again. Back button, try again. The force will be with you. And until our next show, may the pigs be stocked as well. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find pictures of the toys reviewed, chat with other Star Wars collectors, and find hundreds of Star Wars Action News episodes at our website, SWActionNews.com. This podcast is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. We rely on listener support to keep the show going. You can pledge to our Podbean fundraising campaign by going to SWActionNews.com support. Backers get rewards including exclusive video content, early show releases, and more. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can also send us your latest store reports, figure reviews, and more. Email us an MP3 or iPhone voice memo at show at SWActionNews.com. All content received is subject for use on the show. 
If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is always looking for new people to help with the show. You can find a list of skills we need on our blog at VenganzaMedia.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Video editing by Barrett, Andrew, and Daryl. Website design by Jason. Graphic design by Jay. Photo editing by Scott and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Segments created by Andrew, Brock, Daryl, Jerry, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting.